Hello everyone, so let's talk about the evaluation of the secondary amenorrhea. First of all, how are you going to define secondary amenorrhea? If no menses is there for more than equal to three months in a patient with previously regular menses, then you say that this patient might have secondary amenorrhea, including the pregnancy test and TSH prolactin FSH level. All these things, after testing all these things, then we see elevated FSH is consistent with low ovarian function, that is hypoestrogenism, with this hypogonadotropic hypogonadism, elevated FSH and low estrogen occurs in patient of age less than 40. It is primary, uh, primary uh, explained as what we say as primary ovarian insufficiency. Okay, it is a risk factors for the infertility and uh, hot flashes, night sweats, and vaginal atrophy is seen. It is because of the low estrogen level. After the diagnosis of primary ovarian insufficiency. Insuff the confirmation is done to evaluate the cause. What are the associated comorbid condition? So either maybe either it could be the chemoradiation therapy exposure or maybe the autoimmune diseases such as adrenal insufficiency or hypothyroidism or maybe some genetical abnormalities where fragile X syndrome or Turner syndromes are involved. Pelvic ultrasonography typically shows the thin endometrium and small atrophied ovaries. So then we have to figure out what exactly is the cause. So we go for the TSH testing adrenal antibody testing karyotypic and that's why after we figure out that okay this is the thing then we initiate estrogen replacement therapy and we give uh, a balanced progesterone if uh, uterus is still persistent to preserve the sexual health and also minimize the risk of osteoporosis and cardiovascular diseases what are the differential diagnosis of the primary ovary insufficiency so it could be because of obesity but uh, you have to look at the BMI. If it is fine, then it's fine. It could be because of prolactinoma. For that, you go and do the MRI of the head. And then if there is a case of uterus didelphus or septate uterus, it could be because of the malformation. But uh, there you'll see that menstruation was absent from the beginning only. And uh, pelvic MRI is indicated for uterine abnormalities. So overall, all these things are needed. Then there is histro operative hysteroscopy is done if you think that this amenorrhea is because of the Asherman syndrome where there is additions because of the curatage of pelvic inflammatory diseases. If a patient has undergone a gastric bypass surgery and they have simply or maybe gastrectomy, in such situation what happens there are high chances of dumping syndrome. After gastrectomy, if a patient comes to you complaining about the abdominal pain, cramping, diarrhea, postprandial nausea, vomiting, something like that, and also complaining about dizziness, generalized weakness, or shortness of breath later on, so all these things are features suggesting of dumping syndrome, which is a complication of gastrectomy. Liquid and food passage through the stomach into the jejunum is faster. This leads to abdominal pain, diarrhea, nausea, vomiting, as well as neurovegetative symptoms such as dizziness, generalized sweating, and dyspnea. A change in diet usually relieves these symptoms. Therefore, we ask the patient to have a high protein diet and also fractionated, that is small diet and more frequent food proportion are advised. So you ask them to take food in frequent proportion, but in smaller fraction and high protein diet. Okay. Diet should be low in carbohydrate. So diet should be low in carbohydrate, but high in protein and a low fiber diet may improve diarrhea but will not control the other dumping feature symptoms. So if they ask you, 
that you have to choose between a starting a high fiber high protein diet or maybe starting a low fiber diet so what are you what will be your answer for dumping syndrome so you will say starting a high protein diet is better option as compared to starting a low fiber diet although low fiber diet will prevent the diarrhea or may protect um, like, may reduce the diarrhea but it will not affect the other things so that's why we go for a high protein diet which is like more beneficial alprazolam is useful for neurovegetative symptoms but is not used for the digestive problem so we don't give alprazolam so dumping syndrome is common complication of gastrectomy treatment is aimed at decreasing the speed of passage of the food and fluid into the small gut a high protein and low carbohydrate diet is advised as well as small but more frequent meals throughout the day are suggested now let's talk about something else which is if a 14 year boy comes to you and he's having coughing and difficulty breathing non productive cough which is worsening at night he which prevents him from sleeping and also he has shortness of breath and uh, he had fever and he's notable candidate for end stage renal disease also he was having the posterior urethral wall and uh, he recently he had undergone a transplantation of the kidney 3 months ago and now he is having tachypnea diffuse rails throughout the lung all these things so they are asking you which medication you would have given or what can you give to prevent the current illness so basically you have to remember whenever a patient has undergone a transplant he is immunosuppressed because you will be giving this patient steroids and all these things so since you are giving that patient steroids and stuff to reduce the immunity there are high chances of opportunistic infection and now this patient is having pneumonia and rails and all those things that suggests stuff pneumocystis pneumonia now let me talk about the pneumocystis pneumonia what is the epidemiology it is seen in aids patient if cd4 count is less than 200 per millimeter cube so pneumocystis pneumonia is seen in aids patient if cd4 count is less than 200 per millimeter cube immunosuppressive medications such as chronic glucocorticoid can also lead to pneumocystis pneumonia manifestations of pneumocystis pneumonia it has an indolent or acute respiratory failure immunosuppressive treatment whenever given then it has an indolent that is uh, in aids it is indolence or maybe acute respiratory failure dyspnea hypoxia dry cough and fever can be seen dry cough fever hypoxia dyspnea elevated lactate dehydrogenase level is there in pneumocystis pneumonia elevated lactate dehydrogenase level and bilateral reticular infiltrates reticular nodular infiltrates on the pulmonary imaging so on pulmonary imaging you will see the bilateral reticular nodular infiltrates diagnosis for diagnosis of pneumocystis pneumonia you go for induced sputum and bronchialveolar lavage bronchialveolar lavage is done and also induced sputum is needed for diagnosis of this treatment is with trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole plus minus corticosteroid can be given and antiretroviral therapy initiation if this patient was of age patient then antiretroviral therapy otherwise trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole plus minus corticosteroid patient with aids cd4 count less than 200 and those with glucocorticoid ther- therapy are generally receiving primary prophylaxis against the pneumocystis pneumonia with trimethoprim and sulfamethoxazole so if they ask you what can you give this patient or what you would have given this patient earlier so that this situation would have n- never occurred so that time you think about the trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole prophylaxis but if they ask you now then you have to say trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole plus minus corticosteroid along with the antiretroviral therapy so the patient with a classical history and physical examination finding of pneumocystis zirubense pneumonia pneumocystis zirubense pneumonia is seen in patients with defect in the cell mediate immunity and it is most commonly seen in hiv patients with cd4 count of less than 200 per millimeter cube 
but uh, can also be seen in those receiving immunomodulation therapy during the transplant or uh, because of the transplant transplantation of any organ now demosisidurovency has insidious onset and is usually present with low grade fever non productive cough dyspnea and tachypnea hypoxia is pre prominent and uh, may be out of proportion to relatively milder findings on the chest auscultation okay chest x ray raise reveals diffuse bilateral glass ground opacities so on chest x ray you will see diffuse bilateral glass ground opacities okay and trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole is treatment of choice for suspected or the proven cases of pcp intravenous therapy should be initiated so if they ask you whether you're going to give the oral therapy or intravenous so intravenous therapy should be used initially with oral therapy initiated once the patient has signs of recovery so you have to give iv therapy of trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole later once he has having a sign of recovery then you can switch to oral trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole is highly effective when used as prophylactic to prevent the pcp at high risk in high risk patient and failure to other to trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole can cause the patient's disease okay now there are other options fluconazole prophylaxis fluconazole prophylaxis again it's uh, associated with cell mediated immunity defect but to prevent the esophageal and cutaneous uh, candidiasis but candidiasis is an extremely rare cause of pneumonia so that's why we are here we are not thinking about that but fluconazole can be given to prevent candidiasis cutaneous candidiasis or esophageal candidiasis now influenza is generally present acutely with high fever and cough and myalgias and pharyngitis and it is more gradual um, in contrast to more gradual onset of the pcp so influenza is basically acute and pcp is gradual so you have to see the onset and then you decide and vaccination would have prevent this okay now prednisone may be used for immunosuppression after transplantation but uh, in, instead of instead prednisone with increase okay it has no role in prevention okay but prednisone is used for pcp pneumonia treatment because it opens up the airways and clears the passage and sometimes somehow relieves the respiratory symptoms antiretroviral therapy such as zidovudine plays an important role in preventing the cd4 cell depletion and therefore there is a high risk of pcp in hiv patient zidovudine is not used for hiv negative organ recipients so if it was a case of uh, hiv then we can we would have thought about giving zidovudine but this was just a case of organ one organ transplant so that's why we are not thinking about zero within here here we are think, planning on giving the trimethoprim sulfamethoxazole intravenously yeah so this is it for this lecture thank you so much for listening